Welcome to the very last Texting Daily, number 75. Hey, Jason, how you doing? Good. How about yourself? Yeah, pretty good. Well, one thing I wanted to bring up was uh, you mentioned that we had a jump in subscribers, and you were you seem to be attributing it to, at least partially to the fact that we're doing a daily show. Yeah. But I, I don't think it has anything to do with that. I think that, which is, which is apropos that the name of the episode was Fooled by Randomness. <laughs> so <laughs> there's two, two reasons why I think we had a big jump. I think primarily was because we got a retweet by Jason Calacanis. Right. Um, someone tweeted uh, a, their tweets went something like, when did this weekend startups get to be so good? It's now my uh, favorite podcast along with TechZing. And Calacanis retweeted that, and he has like, you know, 40,000 uh, subscribers or followers. So I think that brought in a lot of new subscribers. And also, I was interviewed um, on uh, PHP Classes podcast, mm-hmm. and uh, that there was a write-up on PHP Developer, on the PHP Developer website, um, which linked... Uh, to that actual podcast and did a little blurb and mentioned at TechZing and AppIgnite. And I think that drove some people to TechZing. It also drove a bunch of new uh, people signing up for the AppIgnite beta. I went from having like 50 to having like 250 oh, uh, great. people. So that was nice. That kick-started that a little bit. Um, now, now they've only, that, that podcast that you were on, they've only like had five episodes, right? I'm not sure. I'm not sure how many they've had. But, you know, the PHP Classes website is pretty popular among the PHP uh, community, right? Well, it's popular among everyone in the PHP community except for me, I think. Right, so... <laughs> <laughs> just because so, of the, the interface of it, I mean, I just find it a very difficult interface to use. Yeah, well, I, I think he realizes that. I mean, we talked about that on the podcast a little bit, and uh, you know, my recommendation, I was like, well, because I asked him, I said, well, you know, what's the deal with all the ads? Because there are just so many ads on yeah. the website. I mean, it's just amazing. I mean, there's just there's banner ads and there are like AdSense ads and there's like other types of AdSense ads. And I, and he said that now the because he has premium accounts and then the standard free accounts. And I guess the premium accounts, the premium accounts um, now are responsible for about two thirds of the revenue generated by the site. And I was like, well, why don't you just take a few months, go off the ads completely, revamp the website so that it has this really slick um, UI that really makes it easy to engage with the site and see what new code's been contributed and, I don't know, really build that up. And, so what do, you get for, what do you get for a premium account on that then? I'm not sure exactly. I, I think what you do is you get access to code earlier than other people or something. I'm not 100% clear on it. But I, I guess that's that's been growing for him. So I, and you know he he lives he makes a living off the site. So um, so so it's a hundred percent how he makes his money. I mean, fair enough. But but still, um, just as a as a user experience, I just it just feels very like you're locked in, like you're really locked into it. You've got to go down a certain path. I know that there's ways to get through to to the classes and the code without kind of logging in, but. It, yeah, it's difficult I, to if, find. <laughs> if, if, it, if, if it was me, I'd take the risk of I'd go. I'd maybe try three or six months, take all the ads off, and make the build a, build kind of a social network, a, com, a real community around it, so that it was uh, almost pleasurable to use the interface, and it was easy to connect with other people, and it was easy to kind of kind of stuff they're doing with GitHub. That's what I thought when I when I looked at it, and then did some research on Compete.com and saw how many people go there. 
it just seems amazing to me that 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 they're not doing that social uh, kind of strategy. I mean, you could you could turn that into such a seriously decent money making business. The, the hardest thing to do is to get traffic, right? And once right. you've got traffic, then you can turn it into something. I mean, didn't, didn't we just interview someone recently who um, had the names database? Um, who was that, that again? Was Gabriel Weinberg. Yeah. I mean, basically, it was for, just from having traffic, he's built everything, right? He built a $10 million business. So anyway, I mean, I don't, I don't kind of, what, what's the guy's name from PHP Classes? Uh, Manuel Lemos. So Manuel, I, I don't begrudge Manuel for being an entrepreneur and for trying to make a living through the internet and and I think that's great that you've done that. But the only reason why I'm frustrated is just because I guess, I don't know, like a couple of times a year over the last 10 years, I've been looking for some code and it's only been available on PHP classes. And I've had to go through this kind of extended journey to get access to the code. And there isn't any other site, I guess, apart from Expert Exchange that gives you that same level of kind of having to kind of claw your way through to get to the code. So that's that's where the frustrations come from. But I mean, I definitely do respect the fact that you're you're out there and you're doing something entrepreneurial. So, yeah, well, you know, Manuel's really nice guy. I had, I really enjoyed talking with him, um, and being on his podcast and, uh, you know, I, I, I understand why he's doing, it. I mean, I, it seems to me that with the ads, he's able to make a living. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't get the impression that he's, you know, making a ton of money. So I think reducing his income <clears throat> by a third would be pretty painful. So I think what he's doing is he's trying, he's waiting to the point where, um, the income that he generates, if, even if it's only, even if the two th- current um, one third um, isn't so much that if he took a hit and turned off the ads for a certain period of time, that maybe he could do something else, you know, char- you know, just live off the premium subscription um, revenue and really just increase improve the user experience. Right. Anyway, okay. so um, anyway, I, I the, the reason I brought that up, the whole thing up, was just that. I think that's where our subscribers came from, was through the Calicanus and through the PHP developer yeah. um, link. Probably most of us from Calicanus, at least in term, at least for the bump um, for Texing. And the App Ignite's um, beta list increased, I think, from the PHP developer primarily. So I don't think the Daily Show has affected, affected that. Okay, cool. Um, so one thing I wanted to talk about, software as a service subscription billing. So there's something on, on Hacker News at the moment, a story that's quite, quite up the top of the, the homepage there. Um, S-A-A-S, subscription billing, or how to avoid getting your nuts in a vice. And basically okay. what, what this article's about is it's about um, they've set up billing, but they didn't have the capability to rebuild the subscription at, at a different price, right? right? So I think they were going with the Amazon service. And they're saying that um, they don't want to go with PayPal because it's got the same thing. And um, they're saying go with, um, what's, the, what's the name of the company? Cashify or something like that. Chargeify. Chargeify. Chargeify, yeah. Chargeify right. So, um, and, and this has been something that a few people have brought up recently. And I just wanted to point out that actually you, you can do this. Um, you can do it with PayPal reference transactions. So it's, it's something that we posted about um, on the comments uh, the last show. Okay. Right. right. But have you heard of PayPal reference transactions? No. You were, that was something you were exploring or you were brought up like several months ago, maybe six months ago, right? When you were... And it, it works really, really nicely. I've, I've set it up for a client, actually two clients now. And, and the way that it works is that um, you, you hook into PayPal's API. So someone comes to your site, you have a credit card form there, right? So they don't have to go anywhere near PayPal. They just go on your site, they type in the credit card details, ping it to your server. 
then your server under the hood pings PayPal via the direct payment API, and PayPal will say yes or no and send you back a transaction ID. Right. Now, the trick is, is that you store that transaction ID in your database, and that means you don't have to worry about PCI compliance. You don't have to worry about any of that stuff about storing credit card numbers. Right. And the next time you want to build them, you send them that reference ID with whatever amount you want. So if, you're, if it's a, a monthly subscription, you just send like 10 bucks or whatever it was that they signed up for. And, the cool, and then they'll send you back another transaction ID and then you store that. And then the next time you send that. So it's always a chain of, you know, answer, question, answers. Right. And, okay. And, yeah. And the good thing about it is, is that if, if your subscriber uh, wants to upgrade or downgrade, you just, you just use the transaction ID. Yeah, because you know, I I I set up a um, uh, you know a uh, a little ugh, I don't know, transaction platform. I wrote to the uh, PayPal API, right, right, and I I it was easy. I mean, it took me like an hour or two with their code sample, and then I you know got it working no problem, right? And I yeah. that you initially were asking me about that like about a year ago, I think, mm-hmm. and um, I, I didn't have any problem with it. So it's easy to integrate with API with the um, PayPal API. The the complexity is. That if you're doing a subscription system, so if you use the PayPal subscriptions or if you use Amazon subscriptions, they let you set up a subscription and then they will auto rebuild every month or every however many days or okay. years that you specify. So if you're doing it using the reference ID uh, method, what you have to do is you have to create your own scripts that do the rebilling. And okay. that's kind of scary, right? Because you've, you've got to really get them right. You've got to do some really hardcore testing. Because it would be very, very easy for your scripts to rebuild. You know, if if you if you just put a, a, a bad variable or a bad little if statement in there, and and your script was polling every day, you could rebuild someone every day, right? It kind of reminds me of uh, in trading when you write like automated trading systems. Right. It's so easy to start machine gunning trades. Like oh, it's, no. it's almost inevitable. At some point, you're going to write some code that's just going to send off just just a ton of orders. You know, and you're going to have to like frantically, you know, cancel them or, or call the broker IT department, and say cancel all those orders. It just it just seems like it's like a rite of passage. It happens at some point. I told you that I'd, I'd done that with the Betfair API, right? Betfair is um, like a betting exchange in the UK. Right. And, and they have an API and they let you write to the API and you can kind of pull in information about different, I don't know, horse races or football matches or whatever and then place a bet. And I, I was writing a bot to try and uh, win win money through betting, right? Right. And so, <laughs> and of course, my bad code basically just recursively went and lost me like a hundred hundred bucks straight away just by placing like five five dollar bet here, a ten dollar bet there. Yeah, it's, it's easy for that to happen. <laughs> yeah. um, that's funny. So, um, well, you know, because there's like a bunch of competitors to that, like Chargeify and Spreedly, right? There's like a bunch of them. Um, and I'm just wondering what the real benefit or necessity is to use those. I think that they're going to charge you more than like your basic uh, PayPal Pro merchant account. I mean, someone's probably going to say I'm completely wrong, but that's I just get the sense. I mean, how could they not? Because they don't have the they don't have the economy of scale that PayPal do, right? I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I I don't really know what this. I I haven't looked into it. I, I the only one I've ever written to was the PayPal API, and it was easy, and it seemed like the prices were pretty cheap. So hmm. it seemed like a good place to start. I mean, if you want to set up something like in a couple out with a couple hours of work, you know, I can tell you right now that the PayPal is easy to set up. So okay, so the the one other thing about PayPal is you do need to get a web uh, web payments pro account 
uh, with them to do to do that transaction stuff. And you also need to manually ask them to turn on reference uh, transaction capability. Okay. That's right. The, that's the last piece. Right. Right. So um, one thing that uh, I saw that was kind of interesting is a, a is something that's called Forkly. Oh yeah. And essentially, what it is, I mean, they're not live or anything, but what they're trying to make it easy to to do the do the following. So, like, let's say that you have a new service, and you you have like a, a subscriber list, or wait, or I'm sorry, you have like a beta list, people who are waiting to get in yeah. to check it out. Well, what you can do is um, they provide a way that you where you post a link and you say, listen, if you want to get in, post this link, either tweet it or put it on Facebook, and if, and if it brings in at least three new people, then we'll give, you can come in. Uh, you can be priority access to the beta. Hmm. And it's funny because I was just thinking about that uh, last couple of days because I remember reading an article. Some startup had done that. They had done some other things I didn't think was, was so clever, but that was a good one where you know, you, let's say you have a thousand people waiting and you say, all right, well, we're going to let people in, in batches. If you want to get in early, just tweet, just give us a tweet, you know, help us out. And that dramatically increased the number of uh, beta users. Mm, that's interesting. Which I thought was a really good idea. Um, so and this sort of automates that process. Just to say, I mean, beta users really do turn into cash. You know, that's, that was my experience with Plugio. Like a lot of those, a lot of those guys did kind of pay Right. You know. I mean, yeah, because I, th- I think, I mean, if you launch with like, you know, 50 people, I mean, that's probably kind of typical, right? You, have, you know, you friends and some friends of friends and stuff like that. But if you can launch with 500 or a couple thousand, I mean, that's yeah. obviously even better. And um, I think a, a lot of the ones that have succeeded seem like they, they, they took the extra effort to build up that beta list so that when they were mm. ready to launch, they had sort of a critical mass already so that once people liked it, that 2,000 turned into eight or 10,000. And then they were big enough, they get a write-up, you know, they hit Hacker News a couple times, they might get a mention by some blogs, and then they're off to the races. Yeah. You know, and I mean, I think there's a lot of different ways to get there. I mean, there are people who do it slowly. Some people, there are companies that do it, you know, in a couple of big steps because they get, they just happen to get the right, uh, a couple of good mentions. But as we're discovering from our podcast, it's not like any one thing's going to do it for you. No. Right? I mean, we've had lots of little things. We've had mentions of certain blogs, you know, this Calicanus. I think the Calicanus tweet probably grew our customer base maybe 30 to 50% <laughs> in like one tweet. <laughs> 30 right? to 50%. I don't know. I don't know because we need to find out if, if they actually subscribe to it or not. Well, that's, well, like I said, I mean, if the people who are, I guess we'll have to see yeah, in a couple of weeks how many people stick around. Yeah. But within 24 hours, just like yesterday's podcast wasn't even um hadn't even been twenty four hours and it's up up uh, over what three hundred or something. Have you looked at it? Uh, what does it say? Uh, yesterday's podcast was just about three hundred and ten now. Okay, and that's not even because uh, you didn't even post until like six o'clock at night. That's right. So, so we're getting like probably something like three hundred fifty, three hundred eighty downloads within twenty four hours. Yeah, and that's happened like three days in a row ever since that, or two, two, three days in a row, ever since the, um, that tweet. And <laughs> I would think in you know, a couple of weeks ago, it was like 250, maybe. So it's, just, it's just lots of small gains, basically. And yeah, that's, I mean, uh, it's what I would love to do with, with Plugio, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm always 
bitching about Fluggy a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, the, the, to be honest, it's doing well. It's doing well. Like since the, since the thirty day um, thirty day free trial, I, since I removed the free account, it's grown from seventy transactions uh, to eighty transactions. And that's been like two months or less. In, in, in a month, Six in a month, it grew. It grew by ten transactions in a month. Which is so pretty more good. Ten, more than 10%. That's what, 15% maybe? I guess, like. yes. And almost, yeah. That's uh, big growth. Not bad. And you're not doing anything from, in terms of marketing. Yeah. Right? Well, all I did was translate it into um, French, uh, Italian, and Spanish. And mm-hmm. that's the only thing I've done, just with the hope that Google might index it. See, I, th- I think with the whole marketing your startup or the guerrilla marketing and that, all, that, all that stuff, you, you, I mean, that stuff's really important because... I think one thing that you did is you, you, you did nothing and then you spent a bunch of money on a PR company and got a mention in a, on like, what was it, Inc. Magazine or something? Yeah. And you spent, what, $1,000 or something like that? Yeah, and it, it didn't do anything for me. Yeah, I, I, think, I think the way to do it is, is to not spend a lot of money, but come up with a plan of releasing a new feature that's worth writing about, coming up with a hook or a story, writing something for the you know for the type of users that you have like writing for hacker news may not be the right crowd but there are other um you know demographics so I, it seems like if you just do lots of little things over time it adds up and for us um we're kind of lucky in the sense that our listeners are the same people who have twitter accounts and are in the tech world so they tend to write stuff that might show up on hacker news so if people like what we're doing like there are means for them to help spread the word right i think so but in in the end ultimately there's two there's two important things one is you got to create something that people like you know, if they don't like it, it doesn't matter, right? Yeah. Make something, you know, the whole Paul Graham uh, mantra of make something people want. So if we make, if we continue making, trying to make texting a good podcast that people are have fun listening to, and we just keep at it, and we try and make an effort to um, get the word out, then it will, over a series of hits, just grow. Hey, but enough about us already. <laughs> enough about us right well what else have you got <laughs> well you know it's funny i i um it kind of segues into another article i want to talk about called the secret of uh the secret to hitting the hacker news front page and what oh, it's yeah. worth okay um this guy ryan uh wagoneer wrote it and he said you know there's up until recently he thought there were sort of three ways that you make the front page the problem with making the front page of hacker news is that the the there's so many submissions that you only have a, f- a few minutes to get some upvotes. Otherwise, you're off the new page. Yeah. And if you're off the new page, you're pretty much done. There's a little chance they're going to make it to the home page. So his the three ways that he identified was one, write a really link bait uh, link baity title, which of course is kind of bad. People in, in some ways end up presenting it. Mm-hmm. The second is game the system through fake accounts or voting rings, which is really bad. Yeah. It's, you can do it, but it's. I wouldn't advise it. Um, and the other one is be a name author that people recognize, like Derek Sivers or Gabriel Weinberg. You know, if they they write something, there's a good shot that yeah. it's going to get up there. But he said the, the the other thing that he said he he's been doing, which worked for him, and because he's gotten, I guess, like in the last few months, he's had like ten hit the front page. Mm-hmm. And one is, you know, write something that's good. Write something that has good content that the hacker news community is going to find worth reading. But he's like, if you all, if you cultivate a Twitter following and not just, it doesn't, it's not really the number of, of um, Twitter followers, it's high quality Twitter followers. It's the kind of people who are going to be connected. The kind of people are going to be on hacker news so that 
when they see you write something and you tweet about it, they're going to retweet it for you. They're going to submit stories for you because he started having a lot of people independently submitting his story. And when, when two people submit the same story, it's the, the equivalent of an upvote. Yeah, yeah. And so that started really working in his favor. He says he has, le- he has less than 400 Twitter followers, but he has high-quality Twitter followers and not a bunch of bots. Um, and, uh, you know, when he's got a story and he submits it, they, he tends to get a bunch of people upvoting it, which gives it a shot to get onto the front page. And if it's good enough, it'll stay on there. Mm. And he, he said that the most recent one, which is he, he wrote an, uh, an article about um, how he's going to quit writing Facebook apps. And he said that earned 350 po- points on Hacker News and stayed on, ha- on the front page for more than 24 hours. It, and because it was on Hacker News, it got picked up by Reddit and earned 1,100 points. Um, and he's got, he got about 75 comments from both, on both Hacker News and on his blog and 300 on the Reddit um, forum. He had more than 100,000 The way you describe it, it almost sounds like the goal of life is to get on the front page of Reddit and Hacker News, and there's nothing beyond that. <laughs> no, I mean, come on, give me a break, right? I mean, that's silly. But here's the deal. I mean, what do you mean? No, but I mean, it's like it's it's like it's it sounds very much like um, he's just he's just trying to do it for for doing its sake rather than no, trying no, to build no, no, a brand no, no. or a business. No, well, I mean, look, if you you can build great software, you can write a great blog, but if you don't um, get an audience, either you know an audience where you're trying to aggregate buy, guy, eyeballs for advertising, or you're getting paid customers. Um, it's just hard to keep it going, right? It just becomes a hobby that's hard to sustain over time, right? Yeah, I totally. Mean, if, if, if you're, I mean, the goal the goal for most people isn't to isn't to sweat uh, over software so that nobody uses it, right? And so the, what's the this guy's of, business? Well, listen, listen, listen. And it's and it's not for people to write uh, to sweat over writing a bunch of blog posts that like five people read. Because if five people continue, if only five people read it, most people after a while just give up, you know. So the idea is you're trying to grow your audience, and to pretend that that's what people, that that isn't valuable, that isn't what people are trying to do is is ridiculous. That's what that's what most everybody's trying to do by being on the web. Otherwise, you just wouldn't be on the web. You just so basically he's trying to build his brand, his personal brand, like you, like me, like most people. Either trying to build a brand because if you build a brand. You, you, I mean, that can lead to all kind of things. It can, you can lead to work as a consultant. It can lead to getting funding for a company. It can allow you to bootstrap something. I mean, if you have a hundred thousand followers, uh, like high quality followers, a hundred thousand readers, like higher, you know, like uh, thirty-seven signals, you launch something, it's immediately, almost immediately profitable, right? So, the, so, that, so, in in some ways, what what he's saying is that you could actually forgo anything, but you you could just spend a year just building up brand and just, just getting yourself on the front page of Hacker News, just getting yourself on Reddit, building up your Twitter following. Don't even do a business. Just spend a year. Just spend two years. Get 100,000 followers and then start a business. Is that, is that the kind of thing Absolutely. You mean? I mean, yeah, you, I could absolutely. I mean, you could do it either way. I mean, I guess you're sort you could, you could spend a bunch of time working on your software, right? And in which case, then you ha- and, and not doing your brand building. In which case, at that point, you got Now you got to start from square square one, right? You got to, and, and it's going to be painful because you're not going to have anybody using your software, and you're going to interpret that meaning that your software sucks. Or it's easy to start feeling that way. Um, a great way to do it is if you start either a working on your brand as you start working on your software, so that three three to six months or a year or however long it takes you to release it, you spend a lot of time investing in building up your brand so that when you release it, you have 
a ton of people interested and exciting, excited to use your software, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, or like I said, I mean, maybe you don't have a clear idea what you want to do. And I think a lot of people have a lot of ideas, but either they're not in a position to start working on it enough or they're not clear on what they want to do. The next best thing is start building up a, a network, start building up a brand, start, start building up an audience. Because then once you do have something released, you're um, in a really good position. And one last thing I'll say about that is, you know, the reason I have 250 people waiting to, who are interested in using App Ignite is because, for A, because of the podcast, because I've, I've announced it several times that if anyone's interested in using App Ignite, or when, once it's ready, go to AppIgnite.com and add your email address, okay? And now spell, uh, spell AppIgnite.com. So AppIgnite, A-P-P-I-G-N-I-T-E, like setting on fire an app, AppIgnite.com. Okay, so I had about 50, 60 people. But the next, the, what brought in those other 200 people or so was because of this podcast, you know, Manuel, you know, Manuel found out about me and heard about AppIgnite, invited me on the show, and I was able to talk about it, right? Right. So in order to increase your luck surface area, as we've talked about, you have to work on cool stuff that other people are going to think is valuable or interesting, and you got to tell people what you're doing. You got to tell people what to do. If you're, nobody knows what you're doing, it's just going to be some code that's rotting on your hard drive. And maybe that's fun to work on, but that's all it's ever going to be. And most things are a lot more fun to work on when it's making an impact on the world. People are using it. You're making a living for it. You're making income. Maybe you're invited to conferences to talk about it. I mean, you know. Just are you stuff drinking happens. coffee right now? Am I drinking coffee? No. Yeah. No, you just got me. I guess you just got me fired up because you made this because you're the uh, the comment that like the whole goal in life is get in front of Hacker News. All the all well, Hacker wasn't, News. It wasn't. It wasn't trying to uh, like cast uh, any kind of insult your way about that. No, no, no. But I'm just trying to. I'm just trying to explain the importance of the Hacker News for people in the tech and the software world is a it's a hack in a sense for you to go from nowhere to somewhere really quickly, right? Whereas be- previous to, play th- to sites like Dig and, and Reddit and Hacker News, for you to, if you started a blog, if you weren't one of the early bloggers, to, to grow your blog was much, was much more difficult, right? You had to wait for some blogger to decide that you were interested and in, in, in they would link to you. Now, rather than depending on one or two bloggers that link to you, all you have to do is write something that a, it's more democratic, right? If it's, if it's think, interesting enough to yeah, infer community... I, I think in some ways the point that I'm trying to make is a little bit like the Patrick McKenzie story. Yes, fair enough, but you've got to work out how to capitalize that. Get it, get, you know, it's only half the equation getting popular. The other, oh, half, yeah, the other half the equation is capitalizing on it and turning it into revenue and turning it into a business. So, yeah, may, maybe, maybe they're very good at that. Let's also now see what they do with, uh, with the real world and how they turn that into something uh, of value and profit. Right. I mean, absolutely. Right. I mean, you know, you, 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 both are necessary, but not sufficient conditions. Both of them being uh, one building something interesting, doing something right. You got to do something, you got to create something, whether it's, you know, software or, you know, or whatever, right. Or a website or something, you got to build something that people care about that's useful or interesting. And, and two, you gotta, you have to, uh, figure out a way for, to tell the world of what you're doing. Mm-hmm. You know, those both, both either with either of those not being the case, it's almost impossible that something will happen. In case, the only case that could be lucky is if you're just busy spouting your mouth off about stuff, even though you never build anything. The spouting your mouth off, either via a podcast or a blog, becomes an, uh, something in and of itself. Like Mashable or TechCrunch or something. Yeah, you're right. Or us. You know, I mean, if we made money, we're just talking, right? Our, the podcast, we're talking about stuff, but the podcast in itself is something that's a product, right? Right. 
but or you could just create something some great software that nobody knows about, but just may, it may be, happen to be something that a bigger company wants and maybe you have a connection and they find out about you and they're like, hey, we'll buy you. But that's, you know, that, I'm sure that's happened a few times, but that's much less likely than if a lot of people know what you're working on and think it's valuable. Okay. Well, that's been a very animated discussion. And um, given our time constraints of the texting daily, I think we have uh, come to the end. Right. So, uh, so I guess, are we doing a weekend show? This weekend? I think, uh, I, I think probably not. Let's leave that until next weekend. Let's leave uh, the listeners with some anticipation. Let's recover yeah. <laughs> from the week. Yeah, so this, if, you know, for anyone who didn't catch it last, our last show, this is, we, we initially planned to do a two-week experiment of doing a daily show, but we discovered after a few days that it was just too, uh, it took too much time. It was taking us over an hour to, uh, to an hour and a half a day mm-hmm. to produce it. Um, and it was just starting to drain us, and we, were, we just realized that this wasn't going to something that this wasn't something that was going to be sustainable. Um, so we just said, well, instead of going for two weeks, let's just cut it out a week and get back to our normal schedule. Plus, a lot of our listeners seem to be, while being patient and providing constructive feedback, were less enthusiastic about the Daily Show. Yeah. So um, I think it's just smart to get back on our regular schedule. We have an interview um, on Tuesday, which we'll put up like on Wednesday, and then we'll get back on uh, the discussion show next weekend. Okay. Oh, and uh, before I forget, I should mention that um, – let's bring it up here. Um, Chris over at Fresh, uh, freshteapot.net wrote a uh, nice post about um, – our podcast um, called Thoughts of Texing Seventy One, and he's basically commenting on um, our our daily format and stuff. He, he he essentially calls me the bad cop and you the good cop. <laughs> so I think you'll particularly like that post. So Chris, thanks for uh, thanks for the post. We we really appreciate it. And uh, as we've mentioned before, anybody who's willing to write a blog post about us or you know give us a tweet, we'll, we'll give you a shout out on the show. And uh, especially if you take the trouble to write a. Uh, uh, blog post about us we will um if you have some software or a blog or something you'd like us to to mention or promote we will uh, we'll give it a shout out as well we will do and and considering our audience is actually growing finally some actual people are going to hear about your product <laughs> yeah it's gonna it's, it's gonna have a little more impact than it yeah. uh, would have like a few months ago so i think i think now within a few weeks of releasing a show a discussion show we may have something in the six to seven or eight hundred range of people who've listened to it yeah it's not bad not too bad not too shabby all right well that's a wrap we're out